Today, I am talking with an officer who has a total of 40 years in law enforcement. He retired a few years ago from Seattle Police after 32 years on the department, working primarily in patrol. He started out as a deputy in the Midwest. Because he has these four decades of experience in law enforcement, and because he is black, I wanted to talk with him to get his views on race and the current issues and incidents involving police. I think you will find he has a unique perspective. We also talk about why he became a police officer, the rewards of the job, and his fond memories of the citizens he met and helped. Officer, welcome. I'd like to get your perspective on the incidents we see playing out in the news. As a black man and as a police officer, I keep my emotions regarding these kinds of things in check. Based on my experience as an officer, when it comes to any given incident, especially when there's video involved, parts of a video, parts of what happened, I want to hear and see facts before I come to any conclusion. Whenever a person is shot and killed by an officer, that's a horrific event for, for any officer and for the families involved. What we're seeing here is uncontrolled emotions. We have to have the facts first, and, and, and that's not happening. We're, we're having uh, people chime in from the get-go with violence and, and with condemning the police officer in departments when you don't have all the facts. Uh, this has happened also in other situations where lately where the, the, the quick firing of these officers, condemnation of these officers by officials who, who don't know any of the facts. There's, no, there's been no time to investigate and these officers are being fired right away. That, that's, that's wrong on so many levels. And what they're trying to do oftentimes is to show that, okay, I saw what you saw and I'm angry and I demand these officers, officers be fired, therefore they're fired. What kind of fair process is that when we're not getting any information beyond the videos, where's the due process? It's not there. And when these kinds of things happen and when after a trial, there's an acquittal and then people are left to like, what happened here? Uh, elected officials need to be focused on encouraging people to calm down, let the process take its course. We hear you, we understand, let us investigate. Please remain calm. That's what they should be doing, but they're not. They're doing just the opposite. And look where, where we are, look what we're dealing with. Part of what complicates some of these incidents is that people assume some officers do not tell the truth about the contact or they remain silent to protect fellow officers? I would say in the past, for certain, yes. I think that has changed. There are more officers in this day and age are being scrutinized by their fellow officers to the point where they will file a complaint or pass on to supervisors. That is occurring more so now than before. How much of what we are seeing comes down to training and experience? Some officers will handle a call this way. Some officers will handle a call a different way. 
even if you're trained the same, there have been situations where I should have used deadly force and I didn't. And when I didn't, I was lucky. So you have officers that won't use force, won't use deadly force when they should, and they end up getting injured and they end up getting killed. So again, you'll have officers handle situations differently. Can I ask you about that? Why didn't you use deadly force and how was it that you were okay? I used to be a, a deputy sheriff in the Midwest. I was 22 years old. Six months into the job, I was assigned to um, the domestic court room as a deputy. I was inside the lobby near the front doors when I heard gunshots emanating from the outside. A moment later, an attorney ran in, saw me, deputy, my client is shooting at her husband. I said, okay. I ran outside. I saw this woman in her 50s running down the street, a main downtown street, shooting off her revolver. I saw a black male running away from her. I drew my revolver. I uh, yelled at her for her to uh, stop, police stop. She fired another shot towards him. I yelled again, and she turned around. I had my, pistol, my, my revolver out, point at her. She turned around and she pointed her gun at me and I was getting ready to squeeze the trigger when she dropped it. I was lucky. And so was her uh, husband. So were the, the bystanders that were in the area. That's the one that I will never forget. Well, that is dramatic. Good thing you were there. I'm glad that once she saw you, saw you were prepared to take action, that she followed orders. You know, as people listen to this story, I have to imagine there may be some who think if officers waited a beat that they would have more outcomes like yours. What would you say to that perspective? No, I, I could have easily ended up dead. Easily ended up dead. Uh, I, I was lucky. So I, I, would not, I, I would not say that. Uh, the best thing that could prevent these kinds of things from happening are people to comply with the officer. That's the best thing that can happen. I cannot make that any more clear. When you decide to fight the police, run from the police, not comply, you're going to have problems. And even when that happens, that does happen every day, it does not always mean that a person is going to be shot by the police. There are many contacts every day, every year. And a lot of them you don't even hear about because even despite the uh, not complying, it still works out okay, does not make the news. I guess to your point is that officers have dangerous encounters like this every day and they do not use deadly force. Those are the incidents that don't make the news. Let's talk about you personally, what you have experienced as far as racism in your life. Uh, good question. For myself, I'm from an Air Force family. We move around a lot. I have been called bad names not many times. I know people that did not like me because I was black and give me a chance. But also at the same time, I've met a lot of people that treated me well ever since I can remember. So my experience has not been that bad. No matter what race you are, what gender you are, your condition, your, 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 your status, we all have things to deal with. And you, and you deal with those things as best as you can. Did you find any racism 
within the police departments that you've worked for? You're going to have that sort of thing in all facets of life. I know that there have been officers, deputies that had a bias. And we're talking a total of 40 years here. And you're going to find that with teachers, lawyers, the, the, the courts, construction work, the medical field, local, state, federal government. That's, that's, that's just the way it is across the board. Uh, so it's just not the police. We're not from another planet. <laughs> uh, you're something else before you're a police officer. Your upbringing and your experiences come first. Everyone has biases. Everyone has prejudices. And no one is, is without either. I think that with the authority that police officers have to make arrests, to detain somebody, to use deadly force, there's a, a lot more emphasis placed on bias and prejudices. But again, oftentimes, those kinds of things will be there before they're a police officer. Uh, and that can be, again, for any field, any career. Right now, the first thing that's asked, what color was the officer? What color was the, the victim? And oftentimes, the victims are suspects. Are we going to get rid of that soon, anytime soon? No, I don't see it. I, I still see it. Uh, people using that uh, as uh, a way to distract from getting to the truth. Focus on the facts. 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 When you say distract from getting to the truth, what do you mean? When an airplane crashes, there's a team that will go out to find the cause of the crash that resulted in death. So they're looking for facts, they're looking for the cause. With police, we want to look for the facts when it comes to somebody breaking in someone's home. We want to look for the facts and find out who that person is and hold them responsible and, and let justice be served. This should be no different than from having a proper and thorough investigation of a police-involved shooting. You don't want to have an airplane, airplane crash investigation go unanswered, and, and you can't expect it to be resolved in 24 hours, 48 hours, six weeks. It takes months sometimes. And we're looking for the facts and the truth. That should be across the board, and it's not happening with police. What we're also seeing now is that people don't want the police to respond. Some are going so far as to demand the abolishment of the police. And that's what it seems like people are at now. They don't want the police to come at all. There was a church in California, We're not calling the police, don't call the police uh, if you need them. And, and there are parents now, some parents teaching their kids, don't call the police. Years ago, I was at a bus stop, I was in uniform, a young black boy, three years old, four years, four years old, got off the bus with his mom. The, the little boy greets me, I greet him, and he says, guess where we just came from? And I said, no, where, tell me where. Um, my mom just took me to the Seattle Center. Oh, great, great, hope you had fun. She spanked him for telling me, the police, his business. That's what she did. And that's another thing that I won't forget. She spanked him on the butt for, don't you ever tell the police your business. Three, no, no older than, he wasn't even four yet. So why did, she, why did she spank him? Why was that bad? Because he told me, a police officer, his business. 
So meaning she didn't like police. Yes. Yes. So how does that influence that little boy growing up? Uh, in an in a, a anti-police kind of way. I'm sure that it did not stop with that incident, her telling him that. Uh, kids are very impressionable. And, and you tell them stuff like that, uh, they learn from that. They learn. Did you say anything to her? Nope. Really? Nope. Wow. I was disgusted, but uh, I, I just, um, nope. I, I didn't want to get into it with her. I know for certain what her response would have been, and it would have been an, uh, an agitated response, and I have to pick and choose my battles, I guess. You talk about picking your battles and when to and not to speak up. Is there, was there a time when you did choose to say something? Yes. Ten plus years ago, I was um, in court for a motions hearing on a, an arrest that I made. It was a DUI arrest. A white officer stopped a car making a fast right turn into the other lane instead of making a right to right turn. It was like right to left. That's a violation in and of itself. And and and, uh, and speeding. He stopped the car. The lone black male occupant. He suspected that he had been that he was impaired by alcohol. Uh, I responded to his request while conducting some field sobriety tests. The the man um, struggled with getting into position for a walk and turn test. He looked around and then he said, "Fuck this!" and took off running. The officer that made the stop caught up with him. So we had a motions uh, in court. It's a pretrial hearing. The defendant was represented by a public defender. The officer that made the stop went first to testify. I sat uh, in the lobby. I'm thinking that the officer is going to be in there a short period of time, but he was in there for a long period of time. The longer he was there, the more I concluded that they were making this into a race issue. By the time they were finished, the officer came out and told me that, uh, yeah, they, they made it into a, a black and white thing, and I was pissed. I knew it. So the officer told me that um, my part will take place after lunch. So I walked downstairs with the officer, and I was, I was steaming because it wasn't a race issue. <laughs> Once I got outside, being February, I realized I left my jacket upstairs. I went back upstairs. The black attorney was there. The black bailiff was there. The attorney tried to make small talk, and I pointed out that this was not a race issue at all. This was a good stop, a good arrest. He was dumbfounded that I, I, I spoke up, and so was the bailiff. I said, this is not a race issue at all. And he pretty much said, well, I got to do what I got to do. And I said, no, you don't. And I walked out. That's something that if I see it, I'm going to call it. I'm going to call on it. Let's go back to the beginning. What made you decide to become a police officer? I actually wanted to be a pilot because of being from an Air Force family, being around military jets. I ended up joining an Explorer post. Uh, it was dedicated to kids that wanted to get into aviation. So we would get monthly Explorer magazine, and it was the April 1973 issue that featured police cadets. And upon reading that, I still have that issue. I, I, uh, uh, it's in uh, pretty same condition, uh, surprisingly. But it was about police explorers, and that was the turning point for me. I was 16 then when I received that magazine, 15 or 16. 
And then I started testing for police officer when I was 20. I did not get hired until 22, two weeks after my 22nd birthday, 1979. So what was it about that? You said it was a flyer? It was an article about police cadets, uh, about being a police officer, serving the public, you know, responding to different situations, being out on patrol, and, and it just seemed exciting. Well, I guess you picked the right career, all because of an article in a magazine. I think that's just great. Given that, has it been what you expected, and what have the rewards of the job been? Mainly serving people, um, meeting wonderful people, changing some lives, being out there helping people. And one example would be I responded to a call in regard to boyfriend-girlfriend disturbance. The girl uh, was 19 years old and she had a boyfriend uh, around the same age. The daughter called her mother, told her that I think the boyfriend assaulted her. I can't remember for sure. But this was 2 o'clock in the morning. The the mother called the police. Uh, uh, two of us responded. The boyfriend was gone. We took a report. But before we left, the mother thanked me personally for being available at 2 o'clock in the morning to come assist her daughter. I will never forget get those words. And that made me feel really good, even to this day. And it stuck with you because she appreciated? Yes, yes. And it wasn't 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. There's plenty of help around at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. But 2 o'clock in the morning, that's something else. Most people are in their bed asleep. But the police are out there 24 hours a day. Um, when you say, you know, changed some lives, what do you mean? I stopped a guy for a DUI, a really nice guy. I ran into him uh, while directing traffic, and he remembered me, and I remembered him. So he came up to me and asked me, officer, officer, do you, you remember me? You remember me? You stopped me for DUI? You arrested me for DUI? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're driving the, the silver uh, uh, Lexus. Yes. You changed my life. I learned my lesson. Thank you very much. Nothing bad to say about you. Thanks again. And I thank him for treating me nicely. It's a two-way street. That guy, I won't forget, super, super nice guy. And I've had others do the same thing. I stopped a teacher for DUI. She was 64, I believe, really drunk. She really got on my case for arresting her for, for DUI. I teach black people, I teach black kids. You know, she went all on that. To me, it's like, okay. But uh, she she really was out of line. A little bit down the road, I received a letter from her, a card, stating that she was sorry. She's normally not like that. He says, uh, well, thanks again for your, your, your treatment of me. I uh, hope we don't meet again. And that's, I like the way she, the way she said that. So it sounds like... Even with all the hard parts of the job, those simple thank yous from the people that you've helped mean everything. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and I'm, if I feel this way, I'm sure there are many officers that feel the, uh, the exact same way. I'm sure they, we all have memories, good memories and not so good memories. I have no regrets for being a police officer. Anyone that wants to take this job now, they need to know 
that starting the moment you sit in that police car, your first night, it can be a, a life changer. What would you say to your brothers and sisters at SPD right now? Well, I let them know that I'm pissed off as to what's going on. I think about them every day and night. Hang in there. Well, they need one big collective thank you. Is there anything you want to add that I didn't ask? I want to thank you for this opportunity that you gave me. It was good for me. and um, Good. I, I, I appreciate you very much. And uh, if there's anything else I can do, please let me know. Mm-hmm.